0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on the stack, we talk about a bunch of books that yeah. have come out this week and yes. review them. And we got a big old stack for you Bail. today. But this is a big stack. Big stack. At the end of the stack, we're going to be talking huh? about a book that was requested by one of our listeners in the iTunes comments. If you would like to request a book, an old graphic novel, or trade, or a current book that we're just not reviewing, drop it in the iTunes comments, and we'll get love. to it. And it's something you love. Something something you want to share. Really gives you that, uh, you know, agita.
1: Right? Is that right? What? I'm
0: not Italian, so. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, That that much is clear. clear. Really (laughs) gives
0: you that (laughs) va-va-va-voom. When um, Moon in the Sky is a big (sighs) pizza pie. God. That's a moray, eh, and that's a comic book that you're
1: recommending on iTunes. Now, let's oh, get into is that it. your Woody Allen as Frank Sinatra impression? <laughs> what is that?
0: Oh, I, I'm <laughs> the smallest in the womb, the womb of a t- two million. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, what man. just happened? I don't know. Too many things going on at the same time. Let's talk about She-Hulk, number one. From Marvel. Oh, yeah, let's talk yeah. about yes. She-Hulk. Rainbow Rowell, art by Roger Antonio. Rainbow Rowell, one of my absolute favorite novelists she is. Also, the uh, writer most recently on Runaways, if you know her work there. Here, we have a She-Hulk who is back to status quo, but not feeling her status quo right now. Trying to figure out what it means to be a lawyer. Trying to figure out what it means to be She-Hulk. And this issue, she goes, womano, womano. What are
2: you doing? Just with she goes, Ray Romano to Ray Romano. <laughs> oh my God!
0: <laughs> what did you guys think about this? Did this team work well for this new take on She-Hulk?
1: I like it a lot. I feel like there's uh, this sort of air of melancholy surrounding uh, She-Hulk at the top, uh, surrounding Jen, and um, you know, their little flourishes of her taking off her shoes in her suit so she doesn't ruin them before she hulks out. Smart, super fun. Smart. It's very, and it's just like the attention to detail is what I love about uh, Rainbow's work. And here we get just more of that. I love this sort of like, let's not do the old superhero paradigm stuff. Let's be a little bit different. Um, Her She-Hulk's friends coming um, to help her out. And the reveal at the end, which I um, really enjoyed and was um, surprised it's taken this long to have what happened happened.
2: Yeah, I think this is a great first issue. Really kind of get... Uh, an understanding of what this run's going to be about, what the She-Hulk is about, what this kind of Jen Walters is about, like wh- wh- her kind of like status as far as like a lawyer. I, I liked the, the fact that we're getting kind of like a struggling uh, kind of Jen Walters. I feel like that's super relatable. I like the confidence uh, that She-Hulk brings to this character. I I like the kind of like, all right, we're going to battle, but then afterwards, we're going to walk away friends twist. I thought this was really great. I'm very excited for this uh, run. I think this is going to be a great She-Hulk run that hopefully people will talk about for a while. Let's move on then and talk about Batman: The Night Number One from DC Comics, the written Nine? by
0: Chip Zdarsky, art by Carmin, uh, Carmine Carmine Gian Domenico. Excuse me, you got to check
1: the Italian. Kill, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> killing it. Yep, uh, really killing it. This is Bruce Wayne before he's Batman, but after he's already kind of decided to be Batman.
2: Wait, sort of. What? So it's it's so it's it's. A younger Bruce, but not that young, is what you're saying? Right. It's post Pearl's pre costume. Okay, great, great. (laughs) But he's not in Japan. (laughs) The post Pearl period. He's he's in Gotham. You know what
0: I mean? Right. He hasn't gotten to Japan yet. Exactly. He hasn't left to to go training, but he's still solving some mysteries and rewriting history. Justin, what did you think about this one? Oh, boy. (laughs) Wow.
1: What What a way to sneak in a little ducktail uh, there. Um, I mean, this is the art in this book is unbelievable. So good. Um, Carmine D. Gian Domenico is doing great work here. And the way that it it, works slicing the Batman mythology, we are slicing ever thinner sections to really explore. And this is another one of them. But I think um, the the art really makes this great.
2: Yeah, I was surprised because it was like, oh, Batman origin story, go fuck yourself. We've heard this way too many times. But I was won. <laughs> I was won over by how, how great. How dare this you make me read about this
0: character that I like?
2: Yeah, again with the origin story. No, I think that this is done really well. I think it's an interesting take on it, and it's something we've seen a bunch. But I really love the ending of this issue. Made me very excited for what's to come. Next up, Bolero, number one
0: from Image Comics, written by Wyatt Kennedy, art by Luana Vecchio. In this issue, we meet a woman who is lucky and then very unlucky in love to the point that she ends up using a service that allows her to, and this is a big spoiler for the ending here, but this is the concept of the book, allows her to jump <laughs> into alternate universe versions of her life, but never go back to her original life. There's a big twist with that at the end here. Would you, uh, do you guys? What? Would you do it? Would you do it? Oh, that's your write-off? Yeah. No, I... No. I, wow. Not to not to call out one of our previous writers here, but there's a book that Rainbow Rowell wrote called Landline that I think about all the time. And it's about a woman who, after her life, is completely wrecked. She's on the brink of divorce. She's left her husband. She's got back to her childhood home. And she's in her childhood room. And she figures out that the landline in her room can actually call her boyfriend back when they were going out. Whoa. And she's like, oh my God, I could change time. I can make everything right. But they had kids together. And she realizes, like, if I change anything, my kids could blink out of existence. So about halfway through the book, it becomes this thing of, like, how do I preserve the status quo but make my life better and heal the pain that I have? And I, mm. I think about that as a concept all the time in terms of, yes, the idea of changing the timeline or going to an alternate universe is very appealing, but if particularly as a guy who has kids, if that changed anything, that would be the worst thing that ever happened in my life.
1: And you should know that all landlines can do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's why I only use cell phones, because I don't want to tweak the magic. Tweak the magic. <laughs> well, Hashtag tweak the magic. Alex Elbin. <laughs> I'm well, going to call you're... up old Alex, uh, young Alex, and try to get him to say, tweak the magic a little <laughs> bit earlier. Get it going, you know? Um, oh, a tough call to – to. I mean, I'd be curious. You get 53 chances. Surely yeah. I could explore a few and find one. You would one find
2: maybe one that would be – It's close
1: enough. Like yeah, maybe there's – I know, find one. Yeah, of
0: your two kids, you'd have still the best one.
2: <laughs> wow. Oh,
1: man. Alex, that question is tricky to even uh, say or hear. But surely there's someone out there, who yeah. another I Justin mean, I could your jump kids are into. Yeah,
2: your kids are fine, and you can go exploring, um, you know. Well,
1: technically, the way the book works is that another you comes yeah, into, kind of, Yeah, as long as, like, kids. all the Justins out there, pretty good dudes. <laughs> <laughs> like, Love I trust, that. trust in Justin is what wow. I would say to trust all the in other Trust is what you always say. Uh I would say any JT in any of the 53 worlds has got my back. I'm going to pop over to the one where you get to eat cereal for dinner or whatever. Yeah.
0: (laughs) As you always say, any JT in any 53. Trusting in Justin. Now, over to Pete for his opinions on
2: this book. Uh, Well, uh, I definitely would definitely jump through uh, and check it out. I don't have kids, so <laughs>
1: uh, hey, I can hey, do Pete, things I want to do. Bad news, in every other version of you, you do have kids. <laughs> oh
2: Well, I guess I found the, the realm. Uh, anyways, yeah, I thought this was, you know, uh, aside from the, you know, nudity and sex and all that kind of stuff, this was a very Part creative, of life. interesting Part of life. Uh, book. So, uh, you know, the art is pretty incredible.
1: Um, I like this book a lot. I think uh, the way it really let us be in the relationship side, had the confidence to really play that out before we got into sort of the the premise, the fantastical premise, I thought was really cool and made me really on board with our characters before we jumped through the dimensional door.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Luana Vecchio's art is absolutely gorgeous Great. here. And I do really like the characterization. I've talked about this before, I'm not the hugest fan of the image formula of we're going to set up characters for a whole issue and get you really into them. And then bam, here's our actual fantasy or sci-fi premise at the end which this definitely falls into but I do think the characterization is strong enough and frankly the length of the book is long enough that we're able to sit with them and really understand it when normally if you have like a 20 page length I don't remember exactly how many pages this is but this is definitely longer than that I think Uh, it's 60 pages yeah exactly so it feels like two issues there where you really do get to sit with everybody and really understand what's happening before you get into the AU of everything and I like it I'm excited for this ride. Let's move into another character who is exploring AUs with the X Lives of Wolverine number one from Marvel, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Joshua Cassara. It's not 100% clear what's going on in this event, which is going to jump between the X Lives of Wolverine and the X Deaths of Wolverine. But it seems like, at least on the surface to me, that we have Wolverine jumping through different parts of the timeline to stop Omega Red from killing Professor Xavier at different points, which It's pretty fascinating, I think. Uh, What did you guys think about this one?
1: Well, let me throw this out there. Now, Pete, famously not into the X-Men universe right now. But this is the closest we're going to get. This is like the X-Men universe popping into Pete world and saying, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Pete. What do you like? How do you like Little Wolverine? Pete, what did you say? What do you say here?
2: Well, it's a little confusing. But I did very much enjoy it. It also looked like it was uh, kind of uh, when Wolverine got the adamantium ripped away from his popping bones uh, for claws there. So. Poppin'
1: bones, baby. <laughs> Hashtag poppin' bones, P. LePage. I'm going to go back in time and have you say that a little bit earlier.
2: Uh, I don't know what your deal is. But um, so it's it's ver- someone who's read... Pretty much every issue of Wolverine, uh, this very much interests me, but it also gets a little kind of like jumping around too much, but uh, you had me at Wolverine.
1: Uh, this is fun, I think. The idea of uh, Wolverine delivering Professor X um, was fun. I'd I'd be there for you guys. Thanks, uh, man. Aww. Yeah, I'd go down there and pop bones and make sure that you were delivered appropriately. <laughs>
0: I feel like you're saying something different, but I'm not going to no, explain I don't that think or so. delve
1: into I don't it too much.
0: So. Popping bones. Let's move on then to Wonder Woman number 783 from DC Comics, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad and Vida Ayala, art by Marcio Takara and Skylar Patridge. In this issue, we continue to have Wonder Woman fighting against mirror versions of herself. Yes. and. We get the long-anticipated reunion between Steve, Trevor, and Diana. How'd this strike you, Pete, as our romance expert?
2: Well, I mean, they didn't get a lot of good time. It was more like, hold hold up a sec, Steve. Uh, Kind of in the middle of something right here. But um, I love Wonder Woman and Steve together. I also... This is a really great comic. I'm I love the art. I love the action. We kind of elevated Dr. Psycho a little bit. I really want her to kind of know he's the bad behind this already. We've kind of gotten a couple of glimpses of him and I'm like I'm like, all right, all right, but when's she gonna like whoop his ass? But uh I I'm having a great time.
1: Yeah, I like this the mirror uh thing, the mirror Wonder Woman felt like the threat and then now it's just getting more and more complicated in a great way. Um, the art is great. We get to see some sort of distorted, funny versions of Wonder Woman. Great looks. And mm-hmm. her and Steve, uh, they, she, they seem happy. I thought they this was not going to be working out for them. But as soon as they saw each other, I was like there was a lightness there that I thought was cool. And I didn't know she could tia- boomerang her tiara like she does. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Definitely. Everybody oh, yeah, knows man. that. Yeah. yeah man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Und- underserved power of Wonder Woman. Smith, behind
0: enemy lines, number one from Image Comics, written Aerosmith.
1: by
0: not Aerosmith, written it's by Kurt Busiek, art by Carlos Pacheco. This is
1: World this book War- was amazing. Crying. Amazing, crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this book actually is what if World War One was fought with fantasy creatures and uh, the art, as usual with Carlos Pacheco, I thought was great. The storytelling with Kurt Pusek, as usual, is great. I thought this was a fun start to this book. Um, I enjoyed it. How about you guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for dragons. Why not? You know, uh, who doesn't want a magical dragon that flies you around where you need to go? This is just cool, uh, visually really fun idea. Kind of a uh, quirky enough twist that like, hey, all right, I'll I'll fucking go back in. Let's see this from a different angle. So, yeah, I, th- I love the play on words here, Aerosmith, man. And uh, I think this is uh, definitely worth checking out. It's not a play on words, by the way. Go ahead, Justin. Aerosmith, man. <laughs> no. Everybody loves Aerosmith.
1: Oh, man. Woo! Maybe Aerosmith is a play on words. Um, I I like this a lot, too. I feel like uh, Kirby Sake like is so Smith good, like
2: he's so is good,
1: so good um, at getting in and really building out a world. Um, and that's just what's on display here. Uh, this is great.
0: Silk number one from Marvel, written by Emily Kim, art by Takeshi Miyazawa. This is another new title for Silk, the second one in two years, I think, but from a new creative team this time. But Silk is still working for J. Jonah Jameson, still investigating weird mysteries in New York.
1: Um, how'd you guys feel about this? She might solve a mystery. She might rewrite history.
2: <laughs> oh. Silk Tales. Woohoo! Oh, no. That woohoo was really was not. Uh yeah, I'm I thought this was- you. Stop. Please. Uh yeah, this is enjoyable. Um I think the kind of uh the time we get to spend with the character is great. It's nice to see the kind of like not just mass time but also kind of who they are when they're not fighting crime. great that we got to see both. I like the twist of the kind of like camera dude we get to see kind of like drained, uh, later. I, I thought this was creative and great.
1: Um, I, what I like about Silk, um, is her internal monologue. Um, she has sort of, um, the classic Peter Parker, uh, Spider-Man monologue where it's just always going, always reacting to everything. And that's something I feel like we've lost a little bit in the other iterations of Spider-Man, um, in in the way that it is very uh, sort of fun and reactive, and then um, the character here who is like the uh, TikTok dude, yeah, um, that guy really gets it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: stay here's off some, TikTok. Here's somebody else who gets it. So Superman, Son of Kal El, number seven from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by C. N. Tormey. In this issue, Superman is finally dealing with the thing that we've been teasing, I believe, since the first issue, or at least since the beginning of the series, as Harry Bendix releases The Rising in collusion with Lex Luthor. It turns out to be a series of superhumans that are taking on a giant crab guy in the water. Things go predictably wrong. Um, I, I thought this was really good. Every issue of this is really good, and Tom Taylor always brings some significant political ideas to every issue, which is very impressive
1: great aqualad stuff here like um having uh them teaming up here is really fun um then th- this it's crab scary. monster this crab monster really brought me back oh. to original NES the game Blaster Master oh yeah dude um as soon as i saw it i was like like yeah. truly time traveled um and having to fight this thing where you when you get out of the Blaster Master car and you get into the dungeon yeah. and then there was a, a cheat you could do where you throw the grenade and then pause it and it kills the bo- – it just it keeps hitting the boss while you're pausing it and then it just uh, – then you win. It took me back.
2: Wow. Cheaters never win, bro. Uh, yeah. I beat, I, that, really-
1: I beat that crab monster.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> um, Yeah, I thought this was really fun. The whole truth thing was funny. Uh, I really also like how they're handling Superman and how he's not just like going in, uh, you know, attacking things, figuring things out later. Like the care that Superman takes to understand what's happening before he makes a move. I love it. It's really great. The art is fantastic. I'm really having a fun with this new Superman telling.
0: I, as well, am having a fun.
2: Angel number one. Have
0: a studios. <laughs> Having a fun. Written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Daniel Bayliss. This is another one of those alternate universe things focusing on Angel, reviewing the old series with everybody slightly different than they were before. And at the same time, we have a character who is showing up from seemingly an alternate universe who is very confused about everything that's going on, I believe, he was me reading this issue. Uh, but Whoa. what about you guys?
1: Ooh, slam. And you're the guy that this is for. Well, no.
0: I, to be less glib about it, I think like a lot of the stuff that we talked about with the Buffy things, they're trying to take this new look at these characters, but I, as a reader, am spending a little more time focusing on, okay, that's different, so what does that mean if that is different in the issue versus actually reading and enjoying the issue? Because I do think Christopher well. Captures everybody's dialogue really well. Like he's got mm-hmm. the voices down. And I think the art from Daniel Bayless is good, but I, I shouldn't, it shouldn't feel like a math problem you need to solve while you're reading it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Like I, I want to do math on Math Book Club the other podcast I do. And here I want to do comics on comic book club. Uh, Are you guys
0: reviewing two plus two next episode or have you
1: already done? <laughs> we haven't cracked it yet. We'll let you know when we're ready to get <laughs> okay. right. into it. Love into the it. podcast. Uh, Big fan. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, we break down all the numbers, all the multiplication and division. Um, the, uh, I, cause I don't know. I'm not a crazy angel Buffy guy. So okay. I know the characters, and I know a little bit of sort of the landscape they're in, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I agree with you, this felt a little too dense. I liked the drama and the tragedy that happens here, but um, I just didn't know enough, the book didn't explain enough of the world for me to really get on board.
2: Oh, that's an interesting way to put that. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I was really worried about the naked, bloody guy in the beginning, but then he just seemed cool for a while, so it was like okay to move on to other characters. Uh, I really love the art, uh, the paneling, and everything was great in this. Um, yeah, I I think like Justin, I don't have enough of a passion uh, or love of Angel. Angel of the Buffy character is the one I'm most familiar with, uh, but this was just kind of like... I don't know. It kept it at a distance away from me a little bit, but um, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, really uh, like for super fans or people who really are into it. I bet this is like really just fantastic. Maybe Ben Riley, Spider-Man number one (laughs) for Marvel written by J.M.
0: DeMatteis art by David Baldeon. This is going back in the day and focusing on the OG clone himself, Ben Riley, Um, Justin, were you a Ben Riley fan back in the day? And if so, what did you think about this book?
1: I mean, I so the idea not at all. I mean, no one I think is like Ben Riley. That's my Spider Man. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And in this, uh, we I don't. Back in the day, are you saying this is a flashback? Because isn't this? Yeah, it is, right? No, No, I think Ben Ben is Spider Man right now.
0: Yeah, he is Spider-Man right now, but I think at the beginning of the book, don't they say, like, years earlier?
1: Oh, maybe. Hang uh, on, hang on. I took it as current because I, I, I like this. Years I really ago.
2: Like... It starts with years ago. There you go.
1: J.M. um is good uh, at giving a sort of dark edge to um, a lot of the story that he's writing, and that's what we get here. Like, this has been... Uh, fighting, uh, getting ready to fight against this like horrible uh, serial murderer that's going around the city, while also dealing with the question: Is he Peter Parker or is he not? And uh, he is the way it worked. I think if this was back in the day, then it is he was said. It was said to him that he was the original Peter, and that Peter was the clone. Mhm. Uh so I think he's struggling with that. But <laughs> Sorry, again, but I
2: had it exploded while you
0: were
1: But talking. that's what <laughs> happened in continuity. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, this is not this plot
0: line, but I was trying to explain to my son the other day. He was asking about Peter Parker's parents, and I'm like, oh boy. Oh <laughs> Here boy. we go. Yeah. So oh, it, boy. He no. was, hey, the entire way on the way to school, he was like, so, wait, they were robots or they weren't
1: robots? And we kept going. Wow. wow. You really give them the whole, you don't yeah, give them the whole
2: history. I laid it all out. I, I just, you know, I say to random children on the street that uh, since I don't have kids that. Uh, Peter Parker doesn't doesn't have parents. He just has an aunt and uncle who raised him. That actually <laughs> <laughs>
0: reminded me of another story. We were on to uh, when my daughter was very young. We were going to Midtown Comics for I think it was like a Spider Man Day event or something like that. Nice. And uh, on the way to the subway, she was like, "Oh, is, is Spider Man going to be there?" And I, I wasn't sure if they were going to have a costume Spider Man everything. So I was like,
2: "Yeah, There's I don't a cut know. out
0: of them." On the and second floor I don't know if uh, Spider-Man is going to be there Necessarily And she's like Okay well maybe his uncle Will be there
2: Oh <laughs> no. It's like Oh That's the saddest thing I've ever oh. heard <laughs> Oh wow um, that 's heartbreaking you've yeah. got to teach your kids better, uh anyway, so um, you know i don 't mean to be the mean girls of this podcast, but stop trying to make Ben Riley happen okay just let 's just walk away all right let 's just walk away from Ben Riley and sure maybe it happened a while ago, but we don 't have to keep doing this to ourselves, do we
1: he 's uh, happening
2: what are we doing Ben riley that 's what we 're doing that's what we're uh, doing
1: all right Peter Parker's in a
2: coma
0: hmm Cool. Back in time. Uh, Homesick Pilots, number 11 from Image Comics, written by Dan Waters, art by Casper Wingard. In this episode, we're getting our ghost house, fighting down our ghost mech, and we get some big yes! revelations about how everything works. This is the big event that's been teased since pretty much the first issue of this
2: title. Pete, you seem to be very satisfied with everything that went down here. This What you're saying sounds insane, but it makes complete sense. If you're reading this book, this has been a really fun lead lead into this giant monster fight. That is just, uh, it's really touching and really cool and very interesting. And I don't know, man, I just, the art, the storytelling, this book continues to turn things on its head and surprise us in all these different ways. I, I I don't know. I I'm pleasantly surprised every time I pick up this book. It creatively impresses every single time.
1: Um, wow, that is big praise. Uh, I also really love this book. This the way that they're able to um, just continue to add wild details to the story and still keep it working. Um, and the sort of the narrative twist we get at the end of this issue keep it this huge scale, like house fighting mech. And then still it boils down to like these two characters have to go do a funny slash impossible task, um, still rooted in the ghost world. It's just really high flying, uh, trapeze storytelling work. And it's, it's great.
0: Robins number three from DC Comics, written by Tim Seeley, art by uh, Baltimore Rivas. In this issue, the assembled Robins are fighting with a bunch of sidekicks of villains who have amped up quite a bit. There is a great twist, I thought, towards the end of this book, and every issue so far has super, super impressed me. This book is killing it.
2: Tim Seeley, touchy feely Tim Seeley. Pete. <laughs> Our boy, Tim Seeley is killing this. And I mean, it's just one of those books that it continues to really be very cool. Like the Nightwing moment uh, where he digs into Batman is just fantastic. Uh, really cool reveal at the end. I I just, uh, yeah, this is a really, really great book. And uh, it's nice to see all the Robins kind of interacting this way.
1: Great story, keeping it fun throughout, um, hitting all the characters and some ni- a nice reveal at the end. Also great art. That's cursed, comics.
0: That's comics, baby. Cursed Pirate Girl, The Devil's Cave, number one from Archaea by Jeremy A. Bastion. In this issue, there's, there's a cursed pirate girl who has been cursed, <laughs> and she is, I believe, uh-huh. exploring the uh-huh. Devil's Cave. Mm-hmm. It's the first issue of the book,
1: and mm-hmm. it's from Archaea. This book, if you lined up uh, a thousand hipsters, the backs of a thousand (laughs) hipsters in Williamsburg, Uh their backs would tell, their back tattoos would tell this
2: story. They wish their back tattoos were this good. Come on.
1: But no, the art in this is really cool. It's all like, um, it does feel like a bunch of like sick uh, arm tat, full sleeve tats. Uh, Kind of. It struck
0: me a little bit more like tarot cards.
1: Tarot I was cards, saying, I think, I also, yeah. especially the beginning where it yeah. literally is, like, a few characters reviewing <laughs> tarot yeah, card get, it gets,
2: it's, it's a little meta in that, or, you know. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, but I I like the story. I feel like the art is um, super detailed. This is the kind of book that you want to see, like, in a large format, um, so you could yeah. really get a look at it. Um but it, it's a fun, sort of irreverent. It reminds me of um, old Drinky Crow comics um, mm-hmm. from The Ooh, Village Voice. Cool. Uh, wow. Back in the day, Deep Cut, um, wow. featured in J-T a lot of Sis. They Might Be Giants merch for a while, and I'm in The Village Voice.
0: I have a bunch of Drinky Crow, They Might Be Giants shot glasses upstairs. Oh, My guy! There you go. I don't know
2: what just happened. Uh anyways. We're exploring think... our fandoms, Pete. <laughs> okay, great. Good for you. Um, so yeah, I think that this is like creatively amazing, but really hard to read a little bit at times. Um, I didn't know if like I, I just if I had it, you know, like if if uh if I like could uh, Instead of reading it digitally, I think maybe like if you only had it on
1: it, someone a series of backs that you got to like really <laughs> yeah, look yeah. up and read, it would
2: make it would be easier to kind of hold and and uh, kind of be able to read because it was kind of making my brain explode a little bit. But I just can't tip my hat enough to the creativity on each of these pages. They're just really just masterpieces of art. Um, So it feels weird to kind of like. Uh, uh, Say anything bad about it Because it's just so awesome But uh, it, sometimes it was a little tough to read But man, really just cr- Really fantastic
0: Silver Surfer Rebirth Number one from Marvel, written by Ron Mars Art by Ron Lim This is another throwback book, this time focusing on Silver Surfer, teaming up first With, uh, I'm forgetting the name Of the character, but it is a descendant Of Captain Marvel Legacy? Legacy. There you go, and then eventually Captain Marvel himself potentially bringing him back to the Marvel universe in some way. But that uh, at the end we get a another reveal of another character from that side of the universe. This is a good classic fun, I think.
1: I mean, yeah. I love the Silver Surfer, and like we, had, he's just been gone for so long. There were some great runs in like the mid aughts where. It was like Silver Surfer really like looking at himself and trying to like uh, struggle with philosophy and religion and those things. But this is just like a classic uh, Silver Surfer being a good guy. Great Ron Lim art, which is like the Silver Surfer artist when I first started reading comics. So that was cool. And I don't know if uh, Captain Marvel is going to come back because he was like, wow, I survived cancer to come here and fight with you. I
2: was like, that's what you say when you're about to die. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I think this is just like taking a warm bath in nostalgia here. This uh, Silver Surfer is really great. I I love this kind of like uh tale where we get to kind of meet up with Silver Surfer out in space and kind of catch up with uh, what's he going loves on space. Yeah, it really does. That's um, his warm bath. Yeah, I, I, yeah, this was just great. It's nice to see Ron Mars kicking ass, doing what he does best. Um, I love the kind of reveal at the end. Uh, I'm all on board. This is great primordial number five from Image Comics written by Jeff
0: Lemire, art by Andrea Sorrentino. In this issue are missing space animals finally make their way back to Earth, oh. but things do not go as planned. Oh. Now, Justin, I think you've been a little critical of this book just in terms How of the pacing of what's happening and also the fact that you hate animals. What did you <laughs> think about
1: this Make issue? them humans, I say. <laughs> oh, boy. You're always walking around the neighborhood saying that to dogs, right? Yeah, I'm like, act more like a human, my four-legged friend. Aww. Poop in a toilet, I say. <laughs> uh, I'm like a weird, eccentric millionaire. <laughs> what makes a man that he poops in a toilet? I say yes. You sir, walking that dog. How would you like to walk around on a leash and poop on the ground? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it. That would be, and that would be a nice relief. Anyway, the very then, then I had to, Then I had to walk both of them.
2: So uh, the comic. So um,
1: I think my my very light criticism was that it's so spare. There's not a lot of story here, mm-hmm. and um, this it's starting to ramp up. We're starting to get the story really going, and I I don't mean that as a harsh criticism. I think this is the kind of book that when you read all these issues sort of back to back, it really is ramping up to this heartfelt story. We get some uh, this older woman who's like clearly. Sort oh. of ET connected um, to to these animals, or at least one of them. And um, when you got an Elliot ET connection, that's fun. Uh,
2: okay have you yeah, ever is... Have
1: you ever had an Elliot ET connection with anyone or anything?
2: Well, I do love Reese's, and I would travel anywhere to get them. So I guess yes. But here's here's my thing. This is heartbreaking shit. Um, I was really enjoying this up until my heart got broken, and then I was like, how. Dare you, Jeff Lemire? This was uh, so beautiful and very touching, and now I'm I'm hurt, and I'm really worried about what's going to happen. But uh, beautiful, amazing, artistic, yeah, everything kind of culminates in this issue.
0: Wonder Woman Evolution number three from DC Comics, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Mike Hawthorne. While I guess at some other point, while uh, Wonder Woman is fighting mirror versions of herself, she's also been sucked into some sort of alternate reality where she's being judged for something. We don't know exactly what yet, but in this issue, she's going up against the silver swan and finding out some weird twist about what's happening to her. Uh, Like we said with the last issue, I really appreciate that we're getting these two, well, actually multiple, but just here in this stack, two very different stories about Wonder Woman right now. Um, It's something that didn't exist for a while. And I think there's a place for telling all these stories in the DC universe.
1: It's almost like um, sort of the mirror image of the the Wonder Woman story in the main book where – especially when it started when she was traveling through different mythologies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman was like at a loss, didn't know what was happening to her, but was having to be thrown in these situations. And this is the flip. It's she knows everything about herself, but she's being judged for those things. Um, so it has that Twilight Zone-esque vibe to it, and the art reflects that um, in a cool way. Uh and the, um, the it, Wonder Woman's having a renaissance, I think, right now.
2: Agreed. Uh, yeah, I really think this is an interesting book. Uh, love this idea of the Wonder Woman under trial. Uh, I love the look of the old school kind of flashback of Wonder Woman. Uh, I'm really enjoying this. King
0: Spawn, number six, from Image Comics, written by Sean <laughs> Lewis, art by Javi Fernandez. In this issue, Spawn is fighting... A bunch of dudes, I believe. Well, uh, two dudes. Two dudes, I guess. <laughs> oh my God. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of Spawn stuff. It Spawn is what would, you call, it up. what would you
1: call two bananas? <laughs> bunch? Bunch?
0: bunch? 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 Two? In any case, Spawn is bun. finally facing the people who have been manipulating him this whole time. This continues to be the strongest that Spawn has been in years at this point, And I'm really enjoying this ride. Pete, what about you?
2: Yeah, man, uh, it's nice to see Spawn back where it belongs—the top of your pull stack. Uh, No, I think this (laughs) is really great. Like fifteenth, but go ahead. Uh, Oh man, you say pull stack? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I I think this is just great. I love the kind of like double page monster spread we get in this. Uh, We're kind of getting this kind of backstory of what's going on. I I love it. I'm having a great time. I feel like this book is
1: intoxicating you. You sound like you are at a monster truck rally. (laughs) You're like, oh, I love the Pool Stag Monster yeah, Truck Rally yeah, Kings fun. Fun. You know what I
0: love to do? I love to just like grease myself up, go into the comic book store and say, oh, give me that bull Stag. I want that bull Stag. <laughs>
1: Wait, Alex, are you doing a Monster Truck Rally yeah, announcer? Because that's a very pervert, very yeah. pornographic. Uh, Never been to a Monster uh, Truck Rally. That's where <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of people fucking and you fuck Sunday, whoever you want. Right? Uh, you were at an orgy, I think. Oh. I couldn't believe there was an announcer there. And yeah. There was, yeah. He, All was right, a, everybody. Like he said, it was on a
0: Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> he just keeps talking about people's posters.
1: <laughs> um, um, what's happening? I think Alex just broke. Uh, Pete, here's uh, we're reviewing comics. Oh, okay. We're my reviewing bad. comics. Spawn this spawn is the stack. Is Great, this check out is the spawn. Um, Pete, <laughs> the what fact did you think? I of- like a Spawn
0: comic book is killing me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but I, I mean, I think across the board, this comic Ooh. is good. It um, it is using some Spawn mythology stuff where I'm like, wait, Wanda's the villain, I guess here or something. Hey, watch your mouth. I don't know, uh, but I like the sort of. My the part I'm most interested in is the sort of cabal of villains that both worship and are trying to destroy Spawn here, and uh, we get like uh, a throne is being built for him that is probably going to be fucked up out of
2: bones.
1: Yeah, it's a bone throne. Detective bone
0: Comics. Throne. Both. Uh, they also talked about that at the orgy. I don't know if you guys oh, have any info, guys. but let me know after the podcast.
1: We Detective Comics. All right, head over to the bone throne, everybody. <laughs> we're giving away. <laughs> we're giving a beat shout at the bone throne. <laughs> <laughs> Detective <laughs> Comics 1049
2: from DC Is it Comics. like a, where you gotta sign up for a credit card and you get a free towel or you just give it away free towels so I just Sign saying.
1: up for your MasterCard <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> This, you do not use this card around your family,
2: but if you do, you get a
1: free beach towel. Written by Mariko Tamaki,
0: Matthew Rosenberg, art by Ivan Rice, Fernando right. Blanco. This is continuing the storyline of Arkham Tower very quickly yeah. falling apart. Here we find out a little more about what is going on with the tower, as has been with previous issues. The Bat family is very suspicious about everything that's going on here, but they don't have a lot of answers. Meanwhile, in the backup story, we are are exploring more of a kid who hates the Joker and also hates Batman and what's going on with him. Things get pretty bad for that kid before the end of the issue. Two great stories in this issue. Um, Pete, you were a fan before anybody. That's right.
2: (laughs) Batman, who, who needs them? This is a lot of fun. We're kind of getting this, uh, uh, Arkham Asylum tower thing that is going to go horribly wrong at some point, but somehow seems to be going all right for now, but man, uh, and then this heartbreaking kid story, that's all sorts of twisted, messed up. This is, this is really fun. This is different and fun. And, uh, yeah, who needs a Batman? Um, As
1: the tower is falling apart, uh, our heroes, Batwoman, is falling apart. And she, like, the art is really reflecting sort of, like, the descent of both of these things happening at the same time. Uh, I love the moment where she sees the, um, the guy that she... Caught the criminal that she arrested before. Like I feel yeah. like I haven't seen that in in comics. That sort of like memory trigger and how it um, affects uh, uh, the hero. Like so, I, I think this is like carving out different areas. I feel like we were making fun of the idea of Arkham Tower, but this story has been able to sort of uh, defy that criticism.
0: A righteous thirst for vengeance. Number four from Image Comics yeah, written that's by fun Rick Remender. Art by Andre Watches Lima Arugo. In jazz. this issue, our main character is still trying to escape with the woman he rescued. Unfortunately, they've been waylaid, going back and getting her son. Meanwhile, the forces of the bad guys have found out about him and are going after everybody. Pete, you're a big fan of this one as well.
2: Yeah. Hit, a- hit th- us
0: up with those pinions.
2: Uh, I just think this, this pinions. I think this is just so... Action-oriented and so great. There's not a lot of talking. There's a lot of panels that just the art and the action are the star. Uh, uh, This is how comics should be. I'm having such a great, fun time. This is so intense. You don't need words, man. Do it all with pictures, bro.
1: (laughs) Um, I like this a lot too. Things, it, this feels like a spare, like each issue is like a spare short film. Um, yes. sort of, uh, really image focused and, um, things keep getting worse for basically everyone in this comic.
0: Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number seven from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Bilquis Evely. This is the second to last issue of this book, Aww. and it is a big one as Supergirl is fighting off pirates who have come to rescue the main pirate who hurt crypto While down on the planet, her companion is trying to decide whether to kill the man or not. Another fantastic issue of this book. This has been an incredible run.
1: I feel like I've struggled to make the right comparison, sort of like pop culture comparison, but I have a new one based on this issue. It's like Xeno Warrior Princess meet, as if it was written by um, Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones creative team. Like it's that kind of like partnership, a bunch of very like bad things happen. It's a struggle every time, Uh, plus superheroes. But there's no uh, dragons though there could be there was a dragon a couple of issues
0: back but go ahead Pete what did you think about this one
2: uh, <laughs> uh all right I stand corrected uh this comic is great all caps it's just it continues to just be a master class a great comics I uh, art alone is worth it
0: Agreed. This is pretty much perfect. I'm very nervous and excited to read the last issue. Next up, The Silver Coin number eight, from Image Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Michael Walsh. This is a horror anthology that follows an evil coin that inspires people to do some very bad things. And in this issue, we find out what it does to a janitor who otherwise is pretty happy with his life. The Silver Coin, of course, corrupts that and turns that horrible. Justin, you're a big fan of this one. Talk about this issue. Adjusting. I I love
1: this book. I love I love the way it's able to maintain sort of the quality of the horror story throughout uh throughout the series, across the series I should say. Um it's this is just another great story. We get this sort of um image runner through it of uh a coin falling and then a hand sort of reaching for the coin and we find out at the end like what that means and it's great. I love watching every issue the different characters descend uh, based on uh, coins. Which do you think guys before you offer your opinion is the most evil coin? And our base our normal American currency coin. Oh, the 50 cent. Oh,
0: I was going to say the 50 cent coin. Just it's weird. Like it's too large. Too big. It's too big.
2: You you got to encounter cent them. Coins. Very
0: often. You don't carry it. And when you get it you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? How often do you get one?
2: Yeah, where, where are you? Getting me? me every
0: day.
1: Wow, <laughs> the man what at the barbershop shop
0: tosses it to me after I shine his <laughs> shoes. <laughs> oh you shine his shoes? <laughs> it's a very confusing
1: system.
2: Wow, Pete, what's the most you're getting a haircut? Why you're, you're getting, shining his shoes?
1: <laughs> yeah, that um, is old timing.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah, the the he's penny.
0: up there on my head. His foot is up at my face, so I can shine it. We're all working together <laughs> seamlessly. Oh, creativity. wait, I'm, st- I'm thinking of that orgy I went to. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, that
1: sounds oh my right. God.
2: Please stop talking about that. All right. Uh, Shining this, his
1: shoes. It was a this, nice time.
2: This book is just continues to be, it seems like it's like, oh, well, well they're going to kind of run out of ideas because it's just about a fucking coin. This continues to be creatively impressive. All the different places they can take this. uh it's horrible and horrifying, like the, the amount of stuff that happens in these books, but it's done so well. It's really impressive what this book is achieving, even though it's so gross and it makes me disturbed. Wait, Pete, you said the penny was the most evil coin? That's right. Uh, it's the dime.
1: What? Dime? Dime. Why? It's too tiny. No. Uh, what are you talking dime, about? dime's worth more than a nickel. Nickel's no, no, no. All right, all
2: right, all right. Way more, Back, way heavier. Shut the fuck up. Easy right. to lose a dime. No, you no, hold a dime di- up in di- the air it floats away. The, oh, my God. Dimes a just dime fly out of your hand. It's perfect. It's small. It's powerful. It's it's exactly what you powerful. want. Powerful. Yeah, it's more powerful than the fucking nickel, man, and it's smaller. That's powerful? M- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I, that's love, why I love, by the way,
0: I love that this is the most engaged on reviewing anything that both of you have been in this entire podcast. <laughs> Nightwing number 88 from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo. In this issue, we're continuing the storyline of Dick Grayson uh, giving a ton of money to the city of Bloodhaven. Um, The bad guys, specifically Blockbuster, don't particularly like it. But in this issue, all of Dick's friends come to help him out. Wonderful issue. Wonderful seeing everybody. I love all the friendship apparent here. I think as a longtime comic book fan, I've got sick is the wrong word, but just sort of it feels part of the world for just a bunch of heroes to come in and do stuff. But there was something about this issue that actually felt very special in terms of the way they brought in everybody supporting Dick. And that's very rare to read, which made me very happy.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is an F ep- we've talked about this a lot, but this is an epic run on Nightwing that Tom Taylor is doing. And the art by Bruno Redondo is also excellent, but I think just the spirit of the book, even though they're doing like the, the heroes team or like friends come in like it's so light it's so bright it's fun and then the story builds to like this like horrifying darker place at the same time it's just doing it all it's a the complete package of a comic right now is the Nightwing run
2: it's a it's a great package for sure yeah I mean I'm I continue to be impressed by this run it's it hits you in the feels, this issue, for sure. It's really moving. It's very powerful. I Yeah, this is just a great comic that continues to be a great comic. Uh, it's impressive.
1: Speaking um, of the feels, that backup cover of oh, yeah. uh, Dick oh, yeah. um, and Barbara. Okay, I'll take that home. I'll take back to that back to the bone throne slash <laughs> pop and bones or whatever you said, like 40 minutes ago, Pete.
0: <laughs> Excellence number ride. 12 from Image Comics written by Brandon Thomas, art by Kari Randolph in this issue. We're continuing to have things fall down in our magical society as we explore why women can't cast magic, or rather that they can and what that means for the society yeah. as a whole. Um, again, I'm just super impressed every single issue, every time this comes out, how focused each issue is on a specific idea in this magical world and explores it, and this issue is no different.
2: Yeah, this is continues to just be a really powerful, well-done book. I mean, it is just great uh very cool it's excellent great ideas unbelievable arts uh yeah i just it's very moving and and powerful and great
1: it's able to do a lot at once sort of telling this father-son story at the same time talking about how um the history has changed to um cover up some uh, different truths for for different people in this case the women who um who no magic, Um and while still having some like great reveals and character-based uh narrative. Like it's, it, it's just a good book
0: uh, all around. Catwoman number thirty-nine from DC Comics, written by Tini Howard, art by Nico Leon. This is kicking off a new run on Catwoman, where she is now back in Gotham City. She is fighting the Five Reformed. Five crime families, including Black Mask, Roman Sionis himself. Pete, I know you're a big fan of this one. Talk about this book.
2: Yeah, love this team on this book here. This is a great kind of like uh, Catwoman's story. I am very much enjoying the fact that we're like the voice of Catwoman here really feels like Catwoman to me. We get to spend some time in Catwoman's head, which I know Justin loves that when that gets to happen. Yeah. Great art. I live uh, in Catwoman's head rent free nice uh yeah i'm just uh i think this is uh this has been really impressive i wanted to kind of put it uh, to talk about it so uh yeah i love this team this is stylish catwoman we have in this comic like
1: really great art sort of reflect the uh, reflections in this art is really cool um and uh yeah this is a, a nice new era for catwoman it isn't
0: exactly like this, but I think Nick O'Leon gives it a little bit of the old Frank Miller in Sin City, at least in terms mm. of emphasizing the shadows, particularly in the strip club scenes, which I think is appropriate for this sort of thing. Um, yeah, this fun stuff. This is a good story. I'm curious to see how it goes going forward. Regarding the matter of Oswald's bodily, body, excuse me, number three from Boom Studios, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Luca Casalanguida, this is continuing the story of uh, a team tasked with getting Oswald's body, not Oswald Cobblepot, but Lee I Harvey Oswald. You were I The other yeah. Oswald. <laughs> the other Oswald. The secondary Oswald in history after yeah. Oswald Cobblepot. Uh, and in this issue There's some significant twists and turns That I feel like finally get to the thrust Of the series here um, But the art continues to be good The writing continues to be good Very curious to see what happens in the next issue And I think ultimately that's the mark of a good issue Right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Agreed You got uh, yeah. it <laughs> We really get to stuff in this issue uh, A lot of stuff's been leading up to this This is very powerful, crazy issue Unbelievable art uh, yeah, this is very creative and cool. Worth checking out for sure. The, this book is interesting
1: because it's like a heist. Uh, it's like a historical uh, mm-hmm. fiction heist where right. the people pulling off the heist don't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> and so when in they're in the middle of the heist, they're like, whoa, what? Oh, no. And then um, at the end of the book, we get sort of the aftermath and sort of a new problem emerges. Um I especially like the first issue in the way they establish all the characters very quickly and how sort of weird, different criminals they are, and now we're just getting to see them all play their games and be themselves here. Last but not least,
0: let's talk about a request from Ad Dude on iTunes. Again, if you want to request a book, drop it in the iTunes comments. This was Spider Man: The Other. From Marvel, written by J. Michael Straczynski, Peter David, and Reginald Hudland. Art by Mike Rowengo, Pat Lee, and Mike Diodato Jr. This ran through multiple Spider-Man titles. And in fact, in the book at least, it was called Spider-Man The Other Evolve or Die is the full title of the storyline. And if you don't remember this from back in the day, this led to Spider-Man ultimately uh, dying. Before he died, he was killed by Moreland. And then coming Moreland. back to life with spikes coming out of his arms, more spidery senses than even his spider sense, uh, and a bunch of other things happened throughout the book. Um, what, what did you guys think about this book? In particular, what did you think about this book? Uh, div- Pete and I were actually debating this a little bit before we got on the podcast, but uh, I, I would say divorced from the hype of the book, but maybe you guys
1: have different memories of the amount of hype or not this had when it came out. There I, there was a lot of lead up to this, I remember, which I'm actually it's much nicer read without the hype. Uh, does that does that track with you guys?
0: I, I mean, I'll say and all due respect to the
2: person who asked us to read this. This is not very good, in my opinion.
0: There are wow. things that I liked in well, here.
2: Well, I also want to just say, like, uh, you know, thank you for the really nice review that we got uh, by this person. <laughs> Please and, don't
0: take it back. Please, and, we're begging you. It's all we have, but go ahead.
2: Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, the the thing, there was, I, I remember when this came out, or we was talking about it, the event of it and what it was going to be. And then I remember, like, reading it and then being like, oh, this doesn't feel like Spider-Man. This is really weird and different. I guess the other uh, of it uh, uh kind of turned me off and it was it's hard in the beginning if you're not liking the direction it's going because it just keeps going and it gets kind of worse and worse for me but I I what's crazy is it's a dream team of people working on this like unbelievable talent working on this thing yeah. it kind of floated across different titles uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> camera problems there. My computer almost <laughs> fell over. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it just starts off like Spider-Man not being present with Mary Jane. Uh which- that's it. <laughs> What's going on with you, Pete? <laughs> I don't know. Pete
1: I'm putting on a one a one Late man night. three Stooges show for us. <laughs>
2: yeah, I just knocked my computer and <laughs> then my microphone. Uh, killing it. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say anything bad about this. Your Pete sense is tingling. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just I, it didn't feel like Spider Man to me. The choices that were being made seemed really weird and odd and didn't fit the Spider Man character. So. I didn't really get into this, but I wanted to read this with an open mind, so I was like, okay, let's come at it fresh, away from all the hype, away from reading all the crossovers. Let's read it collected. Um, but, yeah, I still didn't like it.
1: <laughs> um, it was I guess fun I, to read. I guess I'm more positive about this than you guys. Like, um, Divorced of All the Hype, like... This is a story that lets uh, Peter Parker explore a ton of his life. Like he touches all the characters that he's interacted with over the years from Tony Stark, uh, the Fantastic Four, like everybody he goes and sort of checks in with over the course of this to try to figure out what's going on with him. And yes, the idea of taking the the normal Spider-Man origin of a regular kid who gets bit, chance bit by a radioactive spider and adding all this like intense mythology to it, I feel like. The Spider-Man uh, story always does this. There okay, was stuff but- where it was like the totemic. Like, wait, wait, wait. isn't it weird that Peter, that spider mans is always fighting other animals and wait. like trying to find deeper meaning in that?
2: Okay, so let me get this straight, though. He takes one yoga lesson from Captain America, and he can stop bullets. Like like that's his he doesn't though. He gets shot through the hand and the shoulder. I know. Yeah, but I was like, what you took. One lesson from Captain America, and I'm not sure if it was Tai Chi, what you were doing, but like, (laughs) dude, you can't stop bullets now.
1: Well, but I think the idea was that something was changing in him, and so he just wasn't on top of it, and while this, I think, ultimately isn't a part Of Spider-Man now. Like, he doesn't have the additional powers that he gets at the end of this. Like I like the story. There was a bit, I think one of the lines in there was like, are you the man that dreamed of the spider or the spider that dreamed of the man? And like, those ideas are are cool and interesting and like, uh, having like...
2: Wait, wait. You're saying that the uh, spider one day was dreaming of Peter Parker and that like he was going to bite him and then they would form this kind of yeah, this more world, perfect I, union. We, Yes, go ahead. We,
1: <laughs> we know about the the spider that bit Peter, but we don't know about the um, the, the Peter biting the spider mm-hmm. what happened to that guy. Yeah, man, <laughs> spider. The I
0: do like this storyline better once Peter Parker dies because it feels like in retrospect that a lot of the front part is just building up to that and just building yes. up to this thing of. What you're talking about, divorced from any continuity, divorced from the fact that, like you're saying, they don't actually long term follow up on this, like most comics, like most things do not yeah. last forever. So that's fine. But the idea of saying, hey, he's not really a Spider-Man. He's running around in a blue and red costume. Shooting webs out of his wrists, and he has a spider set. Like nothing is
1: well, they're not he's but, shooting them out of his like the machine he built exactly. So wrist. there's nothing that's like
0: there are some things that are not spidery, but it's basically Stanley came up with it. In an afternoon, and that's what stuck for years. So reevaluating that and being like, how do we organically make him a little more spider like while not destroying the character? Once they get to that, once they explore that aspect, I do think that is kind of interesting. And that's where the story sits a little better. The lead up part where it is exploring Spider Man dying, there's something empty in the emotion there that doesn't work for well,
2: me. What I do like about it is they do learn from the Joe versus Volcano situation where you should get a second opinion. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody yeah. tells you brain you got cloud. a brain cloud, you know, like if someone's like, oh, Spider Man, I think you have cancer, like you, you should, you yeah. should go and get a second opinion, you know, maybe I three, knew. maybe four, you know, maybe you really start to annoy all your super friends and be like, listen, uh, I don't know what to tell you, man.
0: It's also weird. I, I'll just mention at the beginning here that they bring up this new villain called Tracer who then never shows up again <laughs> at least in the story. Yeah, but I, I feel
1: that that's classic. Like this is – and I, I actually liked that opening Tracer stuff. It was sort of fun. seems like a cool guy. But Moreland is a good villain, I think, that we mm-hmm. get out of this and terrifying. And I also think the reason the beginning is a little bit wishy-washy is wasn't that the section that was jumping around through different titles so it was a little yeah, bit crossover-y? Right, yeah. And then once we get into the main story, that's where it really locks in um, – but I guess like a lot of Spider-Man runs where a risk is taken, like I appreciate it for what it is. I don't expect them to be like that Spider-Man. Like, I don't want this to be Spider-Man now still. Like I get why we are not staying with this. We got to go back to the main flavor. Yeah. Um, I – maybe part of it
0: as well is I – don't like Morlin. I think Dan Slott did a really good job in the Spider Verse storyline, which I enjoyed, and I thought that was super fun. But Morlin being like this Spider Man villain, who's kind of his doomsday, but also a vampire, is very confusing. I think there's a lot of. I will say going it's weird
1: there. that he's a vampire, but actually not a vampire. Right. That's the part I'm like. Well, I would just make him a vampire or not <laughs> yeah. a
0: vampire. Just simplify like to- it.
1: Well, it's like Morbius is also – it's like Morbius the living vampire. It's like why isn't he – he should be a vampire right. or not a vampire. And also, that we're elevating that problem to the silver screen. There's also that <laughs>
0: – there's so many weird things throughout this book, like jokes that are very uncomfortable that do not hold up at all. Like there's some right. gay jokes and sexist jokes and things like that. that yes, are
1: that stuff definitely just, just gross.
0: Non- and there's also the moment after Morland has kicked the shit out of Spider-Man, where they cut to his face, and everybody's like, "Ooh, that guy looks like, <laughs> looks like a piece of ass." Oh my god, they're never going to recognize him again. <laughs> Doesn't even. And there's the dialogue where they're like, "Doesn't even matter what his identity is because his face looks so bad." And it's just, I, I don't know. There's a lot of that throughout the storyline that, that not, not a fan is my point. Yeah. yeah. But there you go. Regardless, thank you for suggesting it. Uh, I don't want to say I didn't enjoy revisiting it because I did like I liked going back in
2: time. It was fun rereading it.
0: Regardless, it was fun rereading it, even if I didn't love the storyline. And again, if you want to request anything, iTunes comments, drop them there. And if you like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Sure do. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app. Of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast, and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book Shop. Pop a
1: bone on the bone throne. <laughs>